Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. This is the GM Shuffle. If you're in the league and you wake up to the Adam Schefter tweet, you say to yourself, well, this is obviously a plant job. And it's almost like they took a billboard out when you land in Indianapolis and you drive over to the hotels. We're getting calls from teams for draft picks. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VEASAN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Our guy, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos, gear with the heater, as we like to call him yeah. here on the pod. As uh, Michael, you call, you, you're the, you're you, the one who had that ones and twos underneath your yeah. pocket. Nobody knew what the hell you were talking about. We had to bring <laughs> that out. The heaters too, though. I credit you with Geeter with the heater. You're the one no that put doubt. that on Jerry my radar. <laughs> bar. If you're ever in the Jersey Shore, there's a bar called Memories in Margate. That's where he used to spin <laughs> his tunes, baby. Yeah, it was big. You know, we there used to have go. bars here in Jersey. We had, when I was growing up, you know, the drinking age was 18, and the bars back then had seven for one. So if you went into a bar, like there was the Anchorage, Bay Shores, Tony March, you went in those places, it's, it, you know, mm-hmm. you could get seven little beers for a dollar. You oh, know? my gosh. And so... Yeah, I mean it was it, that that was when nobody was worried about drunk driving and all that crap. So that 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 era ended. I'm sure you had a good time at those bars out there uh, in I did. Jersey. I I did. <laughs> I I didn't have a lot of ones in my pocket. That was the problem. I was poor, you know. I could only, you know, you had to make it go a long way. You know, when you look back on those days, you're like you had no money, you know, you're just trying to make it go through. That you know, you're thinking, "Well, I got a little bit of money today. I could have I'd have had a hell of a time back then." But, you know how that goes. I mean, you just don't have it. Yep. I think in college I was selling plasma. My own, I was donating my own plasma to, to get some money, extra money in my pocket. So uh, you there do you what go. you can to get by. <laughs> That's right. You got to do you what definitely you can, do. you know? Well, let's let's get into it, Michael, because this is Combine Week. It is finally here. Right. The misinformation is going to start flowing in Indianapolis See? as the entire league has des- descended upon Naptown there. And we'll start with the report that we got. From Adam Schefter earlier this morning, he tweeted this at 4 a.m. Eastern time. Might have been a scheduled tweet. We'll see. see. Yeah, very strategic. Strategic. But it's it's sources. The Bears already have been approached by multiple teams about trading the draft's number one overall pick. And Chicago is said to be, quote, leaning toward moving the pick. So the number one pick now looks like it's for sale. Your initial reaction. Well, I mean, if you would have ever get to the Sopranos and you would watch season two, at the end of season two, when Tony finally confirms that Puss is the is a, is a mole, that Puss has gone, you know, to the other side, uh, no, Puss no tries to defend him. Well, I mean, you, you, if you're not going to keep up, I'm going to spoil it for you. You know, that's the problem because it's relevant, it right? <laughs> good, good. So Puss is in the on the boat. And Push tries to tell him that he's been using this effective technique of misinformation, you know, giving the feds, feeding them lits and bits and pieces, but really more misinformation, which obviously doesn't go over well. But to me, that's what the combine's all about. It's a lot of it is about misinformation. So if you're if you're in the league and you wake up to the Adam Schefter tweet, you say to yourself, Well, this is obviously a plant job. 
<laughs> I mean, it's been it's scripted for four o'clock, right? I mean, I'm, mm. I'm sure Adam's up working out at four, but it, he just didn't get that news at four o'clock. He had that news. He held it, you know, and it's almost like they they took a billboard out when you land in Indianapolis and you drive over <laughs> to the hotels. They should have just taken a billboard out. We're getting calls from teams for draft picks, you know, like why not take the billboard out? It's, you know, that's what they did. And so this misinformation, you got to kind of look past it and see. If there was so much activity for the first pick overall in the draft, would you need to take an advertisement out? No, you would not. No, of course you wouldn't. Of course you wouldn't. The only reason you're taking the ad out via Adam is because you're trying to drum up business. You're the the Maytag repairman. You're busy, but you're lonely. You know, you got nobody's really calling. And until, until Bryce Young gets measured, until they throw... Until everybody has all the data, nobody's going to sit there and say, wow, I got to trade up to get that guy. I think on the other side, I think the Bears are sitting there saying, which way do we go? Do we continue down this Fields Road? I wrote about this extensively mm-hmm. today. And, try and, and I tried to use some logic to it to why it may not work and why you may have to make the change. You know, And, and the sooner the better. I think the, the one thing in team building that really comes out most bad decisions in life, whether it was, you know, it, it usually comes down to too late, too late to recognize the problem, too late to react. And if that's what the bears are going to do, they're going to be too late in this thing. If they don't now, in fairness to the bears, you could ar- make the argument that maybe there isn't anybody in this draft. That's better than what we have with fields or significantly better. You could maybe make that argument. I think if Caleb Williams was coming out, that would not be the case. I think he would be the first pick, and they would pick him. So I think most people, when they see this report, they think that, okay, we're clearly hearing two sides because last week we saw the side of, hey, the Bears could be open to trading Justin Fields. That seemed to be the kind of dominant conversation. And now we're seeing the Bears – are looking to shop this pick. And clearly this was put out there by Ryan Poles. It doesn't take any sort of private investigator to figure that one out. You just read the article there and you can see that, okay, the bears want this information to be out there so they can drum up the interest like you talked about here. So is this just polls just kind of evaluating everything that's out there? Or do you think that they're actually leaning towards fields and would trade that number one overall pick for one of these quarterbacks once we get through this scouting combine uh, over the next 10 days? I think that what I've been told by people in the league reliably that for them to get away from fields, they don't want to look bad. Like they, they don't want to sell fields off for a four, right? He's got two more years of a really cheap contract and then he goes. That, I mean, and he's got skill. I mean, he's got, I mean, there's teams that could want him. There's no doubt. You know, can he throw the football? I mean, read the article. I mean, he doesn't. I mean, here's the most amazing thing about when you research fields. And I know you're going to defend them, so put your barrister cap on here. You should, we should almost give you, you know in England where they give you those white robes, that, that white hat, the, 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 <laughs> the, the funny hairdo? We should give you that to, to put that on you when you defend fields. You know, you come in with that, and you got the whole jacket. So the Bears are tied with the Indianapolis Colts for the, for the largest point differential in the league, minus 8.1, okay? Mm-hmm. All right, now... The Indianapolis Colts averaged 35.5 passes per game. 
Common for a team that's behind all the time. Common for a team that doesn't win games. Common for a team that's losing. You have to throw the ball to try to get back into the game, right? So that makes sense. The Bears, on the other hand, average 22 passes per game. Why? Because they really, even when they're behind, they don't want to throw it. Even when they're behind, they don't want to keep throwing it. Like, they know the more they throw it. Now, granted, they got sacked 55 times. I understand that. But the more they get behind, they still don't want to throw it. So that tells you a really clear story. They, they led the league in the least amount of incomplete passes this year. Nine per game. Sounds like a great stat, right? Yeah, but when you peel back the layers, they're not throwing it a lot. And a lot of the throws are easier throws. They can't throw it. They can't make the throws. So even when they're behind, they don't even try to throw it. So to me, that's where they have to make the decision. And again, I'll say this. I haven't studied these guys. I will. But mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a significant... If Caleb, Caleb Williams was out in this draft, I would say to you, there's probably a good chance the Bears would trade fields to do it. I don't know if they feel that way about Bryce Young. Somebody said today he's going to be 198 pounds. I mean, that's a hell of a weight program. He's gained weight. Going to be under <laughs> six feet. We'll see. Yeah, we'll talk about Bryce Young and his uh, weight program uh, a little bit later on in the podcast. But obviously, yeah, we've had the Fields discussion before. We talked about it last podcast. You mentioned the numbers in the passing Get game. Your ropes. You, you can't lie. You can't lie about it. Um, but we, I have my thoughts. You have your thoughts on it. I, I don't need to put yeah. the robe on today. I'll, I'll save it for another day. I'll put the robe on for another day. But I do want to ask you this. Because we have seen the number one pick traded in NFL history dating back to the merger in 1967 12 times. The last time it happened was 2016 when the Rams moved up from number 15 to number one to then select Jared Goff. And they gave up a pretty good haul. I believe they traded number 15, two second round picks and a third round pick that year. Then also a first rounder and a third rounder the next year. What do you think the Bears could get if they were to move that pick? You know, I think that's that. That I think to me that can't get determined yet because I don't think they know what's truly out there. I think teams don't really know what's out there. I don't think they really have a true value of where they are. I don't think it's a slam dunk. Is Stroud better than Young? Is Anthony Richardson have more potential? I, I think there's a lot of chatter. I don't think there's a concrete answer yet. And I think that's the hard thing to do. You know, it's not just going to be, well, the chart says you have to give me this. The chart's mm-hmm. reflective of the player, right? So what, yeah. what is the player saying they're going to get? I think that's the key. That, that's kind of where it all comes down to. So my sense of that is, is it's to be determined. And if they're trying to drum up business, they're not getting a lot of offers here. Yeah. Which would make sense since we haven't seen much of the scouting process unfold here leading up to the draft. Do you think that the teams, because we've heard about the teams that are interested in the veteran quarterbacks like Rodgers, like Carr, Garoppolo. Do you think that those teams that are interested in the veterans might also be interested in the rookie guys that are going to come out out of this class? Do you think that those are two separate teams or is there a little bit of crossover as well? I think the veteran guys are more gap stopgap guys, right? Is there, mm-hmm. I mean, if you sign Garoppolo, right? And I, I, my understanding is Garoppolo has a few meetings. I don't know if he's got a lot of meetings at the Combine where, you know, he's got 20 teams after him. But he'll get, you know, I think Garoppolo's market won't be 
in the 30s, and I don't think it'll be below 20, but I think it's going to be somewhere in there. Maybe it goes 18, 19, I don't know. But I think, to me, everything's going to look at as if we sign Garoppolo, then we still need to see if we can find one. The problem is, who are we finding? Who's out there that we feel like we can get? I think that, that remains to be seen. It's got to be strategically aligned. I think that's the hard part. So it's almost like with some of these veteran guys like a Garoppolo and maybe even a Carr or Rogers with his unpredictability on how long he might play beyond this year if he plays this year at all. This could almost be like where teams would not be afraid to double up, to sign a guy and no, I, also I, draft one of these young guys. I don't think you could be afraid to double up. I really don't. Okay. I, I don't think you can. I, I think you have to almost, you have to take the, to me, I think the best strategy here is take the Andy Reid approach, right? I got, I trade for Alex Smith. I got him. And then when the right moment comes along to get the next guy that I know I have to get, go get him. But there's no sense in wasting. See, what you don't want to do is duplicate, right? You don't want to, you don't want to do something and then have to do something immediately. Like you don't want to sign Andy Dalton and then draft a guy and realize the guy you drafted is better than Andy Dalton. You want to you want to sign somebody that you feel like we could win. Like you could whatever you think of Garoppolo, there's a lot of good tape on Garoppolo. You can win with Garoppolo, right? So if you sign Garoppolo, there's prob there's no rookie going to beat out Garoppolo, right? So you feel like okay, mm -hmm. I got him for two years, three years. That gives me time to find my guy. You know, if you sign Jacoby Brissett, you know you're probably saying okay. I gotta have to find a guy sooner rather than later. Although Jacoby Brissett played much better, I thought he played much better last year than he ever did in his career. So I think a lot of it is who you sign and how you sign him. If you sign Cooper Rush, and you're probably saying, "Okay, I got a year to get a," but Cooper Rush will come in and effectively run the offense I want to run. It's almost like back in 2012 when the Seahawks they signed Matt Flynn in free agency to be their starter. They draft Russell Wilson as well, and then. They have the open competition in camp and Russell Wilson beat out Matt Flynn there. But that was kind of a, a spot where they doubled up. And I know people in Seattle being in that area around that time, everyone was saying, oh, look, we need to play Matt Flynn. That's the guy who we, we signed as a free agent. But Pete Carroll, John Schneider, they clearly saw something else and they decided to go with Russell Wilson. And obviously we know the rest I, I, is history. I there. think that's a great point to bring up. I think that's a great point to bring up because I can remember being in Radio City at the draft and Jason LaCafour and I were down at the, the children's table while all the other people were up on the main table. And when and when they made the selection of Russell Wilson, I said on air, I said, I, I don't know how this is gonna work, right? You only mm -hmm. have so many you only have so many reps to give a player. So you signed Flynn, you traded for Whitehurst, and now you draft Russell Wilson. Okay? And what I learned from that was that the more you keep throwing things up against the wall, something's gonna stick. And so that th I give them credit for that. Like, I learned something there. Like, you know, for me, I probably would have said, here's where I'm going. I gave Flynn this money. Let's see what he can do. But I think they did a great job of keeping that going. And I think that's kind of the mentality. Now, they liked Wilson. They didn't. I mean, if they would have thought Wilson was going to be as good as he ended up being, I don't know if they would have waited till the third round to get him. But that's beside the yeah. point. They got him. Yeah. Nothing wrong with a little bit of competition as it uh, helped the Seahawks uh, have a pretty successful decade with Russell Wilson there. Uh, let's talk more about this combine, though, Michael, because we're starting to kind of see this underlying thing of coaching staffs not going to Indianapolis. I know last year we saw the Rams 
not attend the combine. This year, I've heard that the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan staff is not going to go. Robert Sala and the Jets staff is staying back in the Meadowlands as well. Uh, there's some others that are out there. Matt LaFleur, the Green Bay Packers, he's not going to attend the combine. And I think on the surface, people might wonder what's going on here. Why wouldn't coaches go to the combine? What's your read on this and why we're seeing this become kind of a trend throughout the league? Well, I mean, they've changed the combine, and if Troy Vincent has his way, he's going to kind of keep changing the combine, and he's made it very challenging for teams. I mean, they, they're not even allowed to give Wonderlick tests anymore. They can't, give, they can't give psychological testing. You can't do it at the combine. They're basically making it very challenging. And the way they've set it up because of television, because they want the workouts to be at night, not during the day, mm-hmm. to get better ratings, the, the, there's too much dead time there. You only get 15 minutes in an interview, Right. And you might interview on Monday, but the player doesn't work out till Wednesday. What are you doing for three days? You know, so what are you going to do yeah. for three days? You're sitting there, you know, you got all this time and effort into it. Where, where are we going? So it becomes a cost-effective, time-effective exercise. You know, you, you're, you're not going to get, if you like Bryce Young or you like Anthony Richardson, that 15-minute meeting's good, but you're, you're not, that's not all you're going to have. You're going to Florida, you're going to spend time with them. So the way the combine is, is basically now it's really just become a medical evaluation of the players. Yep. And, and if, you can, if they'll work out, that's great. But m- some of them, like Bryce Young's not going to work out. Now, Richardson's going to work out. Some of them guys aren't going to work out. So you're basically wasting your week there when you got other stuff to do. I saw Albert Breer tweet about this uh, yesterday. Albert Breer of the MMQB as a national insider and NFL reporter. He said there's three things as to why he thinks that this is going to become more of a trend. One, team save money and not traveling all those coaches to Indianapolis. Also, this is a consequence of the NFL loading up the calendar where there's a lot of staffs that try to get in a shorter amount of time. Like there's no longer this big window between the end of the Super Bowl and the combine starting. Then also he thinks that some teams and this is the interesting one. He thinks some teams don't want their coaches networking in Indianapolis, seeing that this is kind of the NFL convention and all the power brokers are in one spot there. What do you make of that? Maybe some teams saying, hey, right. let's not let's not do the, the St. Elmo's late night cocktail drinking and start networking here. Well, I mean, it's, it's always been that. I mean, it's always been that. Bob Lamont, the agent for a lot of these coaches, I mean, he's over at Moe's every night hosting a party. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> I mean, you could get, you know, you could spend half your day, but the most of the time it was the workouts during the day, watch the players, and then at night, you got that interview time. So it kind of was structured, and you could bring coaches in strategically. You know, but if you send coaches to the Senior Bowl, that networking is still going to happen. If you send coaches mm-hmm. to the East West Shrine, that network is still going to happen. You, you send coaches on the road to pro days, that ne- that's always going to – that's just part of the business, you know. The, the key is, is to limit the amount of information that you, the coaches have to give away because, you know, ultimately, loose lips sink ships. And I think that's what you have to be very concerned about. So – the way they've set the schedule up, it's clearly with no under uh, wanting the coaches involved or the people involved. I mean, the scouts are going to waste a lot of time there as well. There's going to be a lot of afternoons where you're back in your hotel room, so you got to bring your tape with you. You got to start. It's 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 challenging. It, it just doesn't. It was flowing better before, but they've changed it because of television. Troy Vincent's influence on this, you know, understanding well, he doesn't want the, no testing, doesn't want this, doesn't want that. I mean, they, the the the, mar- uh, uh, the the NFLPA wants to do away with it. I mean, they want to do away with the whole thing. Okay, but who's going to get the physicals? 
How are we going to get the physicals? Mm-hmm. I mean, players have to take physicals. I mean, if you want to do away with the testing and the interviews, that's great. Good. I mean, it's just going to add more money because teams are not going to not do that. They're going to go on the road and spend time. I mean, if, if you're spending millions and millions of dollars, don't you have the right to interview the candidates? Yeah, you would think. I mean, what other and business think- in the world... What other business in the world hires somebody for a high-paying job and and just and, and is not allowed to talk to him? <laughs> even even if it's not even a high-paying job, <laughs> right? <laughs> I, got, I got I got interviewed when I had my first job at Foot Locker when I was just graduated high school. <laughs> like, even even low-paying jobs I mean, so like, will have to interview you. Yeah, so like like I think to me it's just like I mean it, it's ridiculous. So you, you just got to be able to to spend time and understand it and, you know, and, and, and have people in the problem with the league offices, they have people in the league office that doesn't, that don't understand what happens in the, for the teams. They don't have an appreciation for teams. You know, they don't have an appreciation for what it entails. They've never been for working for a team, so they don't understand it. So they make rules that really don't apply. They're not applicable. I don't think we're ever going to see the combine go away because of the medical rechecks and like the medical checks that a lot of these teams have to go through. I mean, the hospital, from my understanding, I've never been to Indianapolis, but the hospital, I think, is centrally located and it's near Lucas Oil Stadium. So they do all the MRIs and all these checks and all that stuff, and they can do it all in one location and not have to have guys traveling around to get all sorts of medicals and all that stuff it makes it a little bit more organized and easier for the teams to do it all in one t- in one location and at one time so i think that's why the combine will probably always stick around but last point on this michael before we take our first break here five years from now do you think that we'll see no coaching staffs at the combine yeah i, I mean i think it's a waste of time i really do i mean you're okay. better off leaving the coaches back there and working on something else right And then send the coaches on the road, right? This is data collection time. So let the scouts collect the data. Let the scouts collect the data. And then once you get all the data in, you know, there should be a pyramid effect in scouting, right? So, and it it goes up. So there's a certain level of people that collect the data. They feed that information to another group of people who sort the information, who feed it to another group of people. And then by the time it gets to the upper echelon, there's all the things. It just can't be that the coaches can't be that the first layer. They've been coaching all year. So that it's got to be moved along the line. I think it's going to be interesting. And one of those data points is the on-field workouts at the Combine. There are some quarterbacks who will be competing. Some quarterbacks will not be competing and will be waiting for their pro day. We'll get into that on the other side. This is the GM Shuffle. All right, anytime you're on the golf course, you always hear the phrase, hit it long and hit it straight. Well, as somebody who's a novice to the game of golf, a new person, I wanted to make sure I had the best equipment possible. So, as a novice golfer, I went and hit up our friends over at PXG because they have an all-new driver called the Black Ops. I mean, my man Chris over in Henderson has hooked me up with a phenomenal driver that's built to my game. My new game that doesn't really do much of anything on the course, but it has what I need in terms of the club head speed and the kind of grip that I need to go out there and be the best to my ability. I mean, this is music to ears to any golfer, whether you're a novice like myself or if you've been playing the game for decades. The PXG Black Ops driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Ops drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus 
for unreal forgiveness. That's just ridiculously high. So what you got to do, go check out the PXG Black Ops Driver. You'll be as impressed with it as I am. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment at pxg.com slash gmshuffle and use code gmshuffle at checkout. That's pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle for free shipping on all equipment, pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle. All right, later this week, we're going to start to see the on-field workouts, the 40-yard dash, the three-cone, the bench press stuff, as well as the football workouts. And the most interesting part of it is, of course, the quarterbacks, because we're all quarterback-obsessed. It's the most important position in the National Football League. And we've started to hear earlier this morning that there are reports that some of the quarterbacks will be throwing, some will not be throwing. And the biggest one who's not going to throw is the presumptive number one overall pick as it stands right now, Bryce Young out of Alabama, the former Heisman Trophy winner. He will wait to throw at his pro day. But the other three of that core four for these signal callers, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, all plan to throw in Indianapolis. So why might a guy opt to wait for the pro day instead of throwing in front of all the executives who will all be there in Indy? Well, the pro day, he gets to orchestrate it, right? I mean, he gets mm-hmm. to control the setting. He gets the receivers. He gets to pick the routes. He gets to pick the football, which is really important, right? It's his ball. He's thrown with this football. He's comfortable with it, right? So he gets to control everything. Nobody can mess with it. You know, he's got his own quarterback coach. He does his drills, all that. So it's scripted. And, you know, he doesn't have to rely on it. When you watch the combine, I mean, I, when you watch the combine this weekend, one of the last routes the wide receivers run is a corner route, right? That's a, a, mm-hmm. a, a uh, down this field to the corner. I would sit up in the stands next to whoever I was sitting with and, and say, basically, if it's third and 10, see if we can complete this pass. And it would be about 30% against air. Because the poor quarterbacks are throwing, they don't really have a feel for the receiver. They don't really know mm-hmm. when he's breaking it. It's kind of a little bit off-kiltered. And so it can be misleading. And I think with the agency, like, if we can get them back on campus, we'll control the environment. We'll control it. I mean, like, to his workout, it was like in an arena league field. I mean, he didn't have to. He made no throws over 20 yards. I mean, it was no drive the ball. None of it, right? There's no players at his. There's nothing at his feet. There's, you know, making a move. None of that. So, now, you can go back and work the kid out on your own. And, you, you know, unless you have a high pick, some of these guys say, I am working out for you. But I think for the most part, you, you can, you know, you got to, you have to go do your own workout based on what you see. And, this is the appetizer, right? The combine watching these quarterback throws is like, okay, I like his motion. I like his footwork. I think this is somebody we need to do more work on. Because I, I find it really interesting because Levis, Stroud, Richardson, those guys are going to throw at their pro days as well, but they're opting to throw this week at the combine. And to me, I almost give those guys a little bit more leeway because you mentioned how you're not working with your receivers. It's a very awkward deal. Oftentimes you're matched up based on alphabetical order and just like what your last name is. And it's all right, go throw to that guy. So even though you might not look fantastic, don't you think teams sometimes give guys a little bit more leeway if the timing isn't there, just because they're not throwing to receivers who they're familiar with. These are uh, unknowns and it's just hey nice to meet you go run this corner out and let's see if we can complete it yeah i mean and look bryce young would be great at doing that i mean he's not avoiding anything i just think he wants yeah. to control his environment so I, I don't think he's hiding anything you know mm-hmm. and 
there's it's 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 a t-shirt and shorts game. I mean, it's seven on seven, so he's going to be out there doing whatever he's got to do. So I, I'm not trying to dispute that. I think they just want to control the environment. I think that's the most important thing. And by controlling the environment, it becomes more comfortable for the quarterback. And you know, and then it, they can do it. But like a guy like Anthony Richardson, I mean, hell, the more he throws now. One of the things is, is all these guys have spent time and money to go to these camps. So the eight, mm-hmm. once the season's over and Anthony Richardson declared and he has his agent, you know, he went to IMG down in Bradenton, Florida or somewhere and basically just spent his entire day practicing for the combine. Run 40s, yeah. run short shuttles, throw the quarterback drills, work on his fundamentals and technique, all that stuff. So it you know, on Thursday, whenever he throws, he's done this a thousand times. Now, mm-hmm. that doesn't, it's not going to make you want to draft him or not draft him. What's going to make you want to draft him is sitting down with him, watching tape, asking him a question specifically about, okay, Anthony, okay, here's where, give me the play call, call the play. All right. What, were, what was your first read on this? What was your second read? What was Billy telling you? See what he repeats to you. Go through the tape with him. Now, let's go on the field. Here's what we're going to do. I want to run these drills. Here's what I want to do. Install five plays. Anthony, we're going to run. I want, I'm going to teach you these five concepts, and we're going to go on the field, and we're going to work with them. We're going to, spend a, we're going to do this. That's, that's what you've got to do. That's how you've got yeah. to get to know the guy. You know? And, and you've got to really spend time at it. it, it, it just 50, it's, You can't read the book, the cliff notes. You've got to really get, dig into it. So... To me, the combine for quarterbacks is like an appetizer. You're just looking at it. Like, I could still remember Walsh walking, you know, I wrote this in Gridiron Genius. He's literally, I'm behind him. It's 1986, you know, and I'm behind him carrying his books. And he stops short, looks, sees Rich Gannon throwing on the field, moving, because Rich was the, 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 the helper quarterback, the guy that throws to all the, to the players. You know, he says, Michael, who's that kid? I said, what's Rich Gannon from Delaware? And he quietly, he says, make sure Holmgren goes and works him out. Okay. I mean, I went and told Holmgren, he got, oh, you're just pushing for your Philly guy, you know, which I really wasn't. But (laughs) Walsh could identify something he liked in Gannon, his foot quickness specifically, his ability to release the ball quickly, and that made him want to do more work on him. You mentioned that Bryce Young isn't really hiding anything. What do you think about this theory, though? Because the concern with Bryce Young is his weight and also the height as well. But I think the weight and his frame really has some teams worried that, okay, this guy might be an outlier compared to other NFL quarterbacks. I believe he was around 185, 190 or so at Alabama. What do you make of him maybe packing on that pounds? We talked about, hey, is he going to be 200? Is he going to reach that threshold here? Is it to the point where he's maybe hit a lot of these protein shakes, a lot of these weight gainers to where he's going to weigh in and do that at the combine? Let's say he checks off that list and then all of a sudden afterwards at the pro day, it gives him a little bit more time to cut back to where his natural weight is. So he's not throwing at his heaviest. Do you buy into any of that there? Because I think there might be something to that a little bit with Bryce Young wanting to kind of get rid of the weight concerns. I mean, the weight concerns are never going to go away. It's, 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 the weight concerns are irrelevant. It's the frame. It's the frame. Can his body get stronger? Can he get bigger? Can he add more? Can he become – look at Michael Jordan leaving North Carolina to Michael Jordan in three years. 
Can he develop his body like that? Does he have that frame to get bigger, more physical, put mass on? That's the question everybody's going to answer. It isn't what he tips the scales at. If he tips at 198 and all those announcers who've never been in a draft room before say, oh, that's wonderful. He's going to be great. No, no, because we know during the course of an 18-week season, they're going to lose weight. It's going to, the grind's going to get him. It's got to be, what's his body type like? Can he hold weight? Can he take punishment? You know, if he's thin-hipped, does he not have that structure? What's his arm going to look like when his lower body gets worn down? Those are the things you have to answer. It's not, nothing in scouting is black and white. Okay, he mm. passes it because he runs. No, that's not. So it's, it's just an ongoing. And then what you do, what, what every team does, or we did in Cleveland and New England, is you chart weight. So they weigh in at the combine, and then they weigh in at their pro day. And so we know that, that we want to see what the progression is. I mean, some guys gain weight during this process because they're lazy. They don't do anything. <laughs> you know, they work out the combine. I'm not working out for anybody else. And then all of a sudden you weigh them and they're 10 pounds heavier. So you got to, you trying to, that, that indicates what? That he gained weight? No, it indicates work habits. It yep. indicates self-motivation. You know, the secret to all this is finding the non-obvious, right? What is the non-obvious mm-hmm. in Anthony Richardson that we can't find on tape? You know, what, what is it? You know, when the game's on the line, who's got the ball? You know, those are the kind of things you're looking for. I think that's a fantastic point because I think a lot of folks will see these workouts at the combine and be like, what the hell is the purpose of making an offensive lineman run a 40-yard dash? What's the purpose of having a cornerback do the bench press and all that? And I'm like, I think the bench press is just to gauge what a guy's work habits are like in the weight room. Like, is it somebody who works hard? Is it somebody who's grinding in the weight? Not just to see if somebody can hit a certain number. It's all right. Do they work hard? Is it someone who can develop and continue to be a hard worker? The, the Obviously, the 40-yard dash, are they explosive in short periods? That's why they also have the 10-yard splits for the 40-yard dash. I, I, the non-obvious, I think, is why a lot of these drills exist. It's not just to just get a random kind of number on, on a guy's uh, 40 or on their bench press or on their three cone or short shuttle. There's the, the, the non-obvious is what we're looking for here, which is, I think a great point that you brought up there. Yeah. I mean, I think like, like the 40 time for, let's say defensive linemen, defensive tackles, guys weigh 320 pounds. Why, why do they run? You know, they run because when it's run and you've got to convert it to pass rush, how quickly do your feet move? So that 40 mm-hmm. time gives you an indication so if you're, if you're watching a defensive end, you want to see his, his 10 time. That 10 split's really important, yep. just like his 40 time's important. But you want to see how he gets off the ball and what he does and closes. But like Al Davis was obsessed with 40 times because, and Paul Brown started 40 times. That's why, really, you know, the combine should either be called the Al Davis combine or the Paul Brown combine because mm-hmm. they really are the architects behind a lot of this stuff. And... Ultimately, what, what you see is, is that, that tells you an indication of can they convert, can they have the foot quickness to convert? Can they get faster when it, they have to react? And I think it tells a story. Some guys are just slow to react. They lay on blocks and they can't get going. So all of a sudden, off a play action pass, the line's flat. Well, the line's flat is because the defensive line can't get any pressure because they haven't converted to run. They haven't converted from run to pass. Hmm. 
Yeah, it's it's a very interesting week, and it's uh, as somebody who used to be a draft junkie, it's one of my favorite weeks because we start to learn more and more about these guys, and just kind of if the tape matches what we think about them from an athletic profile standpoint. To go back to the quarterbacks, though, Richardson, Levis, Stroud, all those guys are going to throw this weekend. Who do you think has the most to gain, and who has the most to lose? I don't think they could lose anything. I think Richardson has a lot to gain by his interviews, his work habits, his expressing his ability to say and be honest, and I'm going to get better. I can get better. I came out early. I probably should have stayed, but I can get better. You know, I can play like I did against, you know, Utah. I can play like I did against A&M. I'm not going to play like I did against Kentucky, you know, or South Florida. I mean, so I think he's got to be able to to sell. He's got to sell his character. His skills are undisputed. His character and work habits, I don't know them. I don't know how good they are or if they're bad. I'm not judging them. But if he sells his character, then that's going to go a long way. So it's almost like the, the interviews are more important than what the actual drills and what that will look like in the what we all see right. on the TV. Yeah. Well, but the drills match the interview. So if I say to you, Femi, you work hard? Yeah, I work hard. Okay. Well, how come you bench press fucking 225 three times? How's that working hard? <laughs> like, they got to back it up, right? Like, yeah. wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't, I'm, I don't understand here. You, you, you tell me you work hard, okay? Well, mm-hmm. you know, you run a 5-4-40, you bench 225 four times. Is that working hard? Well, I had a bad shoulder. Oh, okay, I got it. You know, now the lies start to mount. You know, now it starts to come up. That, everything you ask, you know, every question you ask, and this is you know the answer to before you ask it. So you want to see if, the, A, they're lying to you, and, B, if they can do it. If I, if I said to you, okay, you know, if I'm Anthony Rich, Anthony, before you came up here, give me the last day that you worked out. Tell me what you did that day. Tell me what you did exactly that day in the workout, what time you got up, what you did, what you ate, all those things. And if he can recite that, then you know he's fully vested. If he kind of gives you the, oh, well, you know, I got up early, you know, it was my last day, I had to do some packing. Okay, uh, let's not count that day. Let's go the last day you worked out. What did you do? Tell me exactly what you did that day. Because if, if someone's fully invested in it, then, you know, I'm fully invested in writing a book. I can tell you what I did on the day that I wrote. I'm fully vested in it. Like I'm, that's my life. This is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Now I get those answers back. See, the answers have to match the substance. That's, that's really well put. Do you, have you ever had an instance where a guy was completely honest with you and you said, hey, do you work hard? They're like, you know what? I, I really don't, but I'm talented. Like, have, you, have you ever had that come up in an interview process? I mean, no, they usually try to lie their way through it, you know? They try yeah. to pretend that they do or they have an excuse. My elbow was hurt. I couldn't lift, you know, but, you know, I, I mean, they usually have it. But, I mean, at some point, you know, past performance predicts future achievement. So if you know the guy, you know, like, I don't believe anything anybody tells me about a player, but I believe his behavior. You know, when a player shows you, as Parcells would often say, when a player shows you who he is, believe him. Okay. You know, like, you know, like, let's just say, Kyler Murray, Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, the players love him. They gravitate to him. He will be, whatever team he goes to, every player on that team will love him. Okay? Kyler Murray, 
I, I see nobody. You could see it, even though they're out there defending him, and you got Drew Petzik saying he's so talented. You got the owner talking about it. You got the new coach. They're all just shilling for him. There's no evidence to support that. There's no evidence to support it. You can't see it. That that's scouting too, right? You got to figure out. You got to see what you can't see. You got to be Sherlock Holmes. You got to go in there and figure out what is triggering this. And you can't lie. Like, you put the Georgia tape on with Anthony Richardson. Okay, here we go. All right, let's start. Before we start the Georgia, Georgia tape, tell me what the game plan was going in. What was your objective going in? What were we thinking about? You know? Yeah, I mean, no. those are the kind of things that tells you, are you fully vested? Are you with me on this? And the fans Ask don't know me. that. Like, they don't understand that. They don't see that part. They, most fans think because they love it, Every player loves it. Well, guys, just I'm I, I'm just an athlete. I can get by. Uh, but if you uh, ask Kobe, if you were to ask Kobe Bryant, who they hang all their pictures on the wall, right? Every player's got Kobe's up there on their wall. I mean, I love that. You know, who who do you idolize? Oh, I love Kobe. Okay, tell me five things that Kobe does that you do. Tell me five <laughs> things that Kobe does that you do. You know what you get, huh? What? Tell me five things that Kobe does during his day that you do. If you idolize Kobe, you should, you should be up at 4.30 in the morning doing a workout. You should be shooting a 1,000 shots. You should be going to the gym after a shitty game. Like, give me five things that you do that Kobe does. Mamba mentality. <laughs> that's, that's what they all have on the, they all say <laughs> on the bios. It, but do you live it? But do you live it? As Al Davis would say to me, kid, you, kid, you can't work in the NFL. you got to live in the NFL. To put a bow on it, and why we've talked about these quarterbacks over at our show sponsor, DraftKings, the quarterbacks are the favorite guys to go number one overall. Bryce Young, minus 165 right now to be the first pick. CJ Stroud, plus 450. Anthony Richardson, the steam has continued. Five to Same. one now. Will Levis. It's down to five to one today? It was five seven to one. to one when Ellie and I did the show on Sunday. It yeah. was seven to one. He's five to Holy one now heck. at DraftKings. We'll, we'll wow. see. We'll see. Look, look. Here's what I will say to that. I, and I don't have any pre. Look, I thought the kid could be a Heisman Trophy winner this year. Mm-hmm. I thought he played inconsistently. I think he's incredibly talented. I think this is like taking a high school kid in basketball. This is taking like somebody who is really talented. And that he's just not a finished product. I think what helps this kid is Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen. Because mm-hmm. there's a perception out there that you can get these guys to become better than they are. Now, Josh Allen reverts back to being an accurate thrower. Nobody admits it, but he does. You know, and, and, it, and sometimes it's at critical times. But his skill set is so unique and he's so hard to tackle. Like Richardson, he gets a long whistle by the officials. You can't get him on the ground. He's hard to defend. Even when you have a free runner, he gets away from it. So I think to me, I, I, I'm not saying he deserves to be the first overall pick. I think his talent's there. I think the question you got to ask yourself is, where are we going if we have him and how we get there? It's going to be one of the more fascinating discussions of traits versus production, I think is always uh, at the top of mind during draft season. It's why I love it because I don't think See, but this a is why this answer. is why this is why we're this is what drives me crazy about the NFL draft season. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll send you my the grading system 
So you you Please. can un, it's a it's an Excel document. It's a zillion pages. I mean you'll. But what what drives me crazy is now this verbiage. I think he's going to be a second rounder. Okay, I think he's going to be a third rounder. I have no idea what that means. I have no idea what that means. Because if you're Ryan Poles and you're watching Bryce Young and somebody says he's going to be a first rounder, how does that relate to Justin Fields? How does it relate to Justin Fields, right? Like, I've got to be able to have a grading system that's comprehensive enough that gives me verbiage to describe accurately what this player will become. So what this player will become. So... How is that going to transpose itself if I just say he's a first-rounder? Or if I have a grading system that's built completely on, it's just built completely on on what round is the guy going to go in? Like, for example, if I were to say to you, if I were to say to you, um, okay, if I were to say to you, off at, like I'll look at my grading system on, off at, on quarterbacks, okay? So, mm-hmm. and this is something that we, when Belichick and I got to Cleveland, one of the v- benefits that we both have with each other is the fact that we both had come from a system that was started by the Cowboys and got developed. But once we got there, you know, then then we kind of modified it into because it was kind of a rigid. But so when you're talking about a guy who's a blue chip player, you're talking about a demonstrates, you know, he d- demonstrates rare abilities, right? So like, does he have rare abilities? He creates mismatches every single week. He combines competitiveness and skill to have consistent championship level of play. He's the first player on the uh, the, the world. He's Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl talent, not this Pro Bowl, but that. Like so, then you start these like that verbiage tells you who the guy is, mm-hmm. and the verbiage translates to who you're playing with. And if you don't have verbiage, you can't get this done. Yeah, it it, it just can't be like a first rounder, second rounder, third rounder. It has to be. Yeah. In comparison to guys that we've seen in the past, how would this player stack up? I think is kind right. of how you and, get the and, full and, and, picture. Par- Parcells wrote this. I, I mean, I don't often read the website, the the thirty third team. I mean, I've looked yep. at it. It's got a lot of guys on it. I love reading Parcells stuff. It's the best mm-hmm. stuff on the site. And and he talks about how you avoid exceptions. And really, what he's talking about, he's talking about. This grading system, he's talking about how this grading system limits you from making mistakes. It protects you from making mistakes. It guides you into not making mistakes. And so if you don't have that, if you just have a generic, he's a first rounder, he's a second rounder, you're just going to continue to make, and you're going to become a team of exceptions. So, I mean, that, that yeah. and if you're team building, you've got to have that. Real quick here before we take another break, uh, who's your highest graded quarterback ever? Do you, do you have that off of the off the top of your memory, or is that close close by? You don't have to dig too deep. Well, you know it's funny because I got in the league after the '83 draft, so you know I would say in my career, you know Peyton probably was the highest rated player. You know, people had Ryan Leaf as the second one, but if you did any research on Ryan Leaf. And, I, and he straightened up his life now, and he's been great. Yep. But there was a lot of stuff. At, at, at If you just understood what was going on on campus there, you, you could find mm-hmm. out a lot of stuff there. It wasn't clean. It wasn't clean when he visited Oregon. It wasn't clean. So I would say through my career, uh, yeah, I, I would say probably Peyton would be the highest one. You know, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. 
You know, I mean, because when you put him in this category, you know, Peyton had all the, he just, he wrote the description. You know, I didn't do Montana. I went back and read Montana. The greatest thing ever in my life was I was able to read reports, right? I was able to read scouting reports from old scouts, Walt Jaworski, you know, great old scouts, you know, Bob Whitman and, and these guys, Ernie Plank, they wrote great reports and you could read them and you could learn from them. And you could, you could, because remember when scouts back in the day were writing reports, they had to describe the player to the person reading them because there wasn't any tape on them. There wasn't video. You might be had three cans of tape. So when you wrote Jerry Rice's report, you had to be descriptive and describe what you were seeing. You had to be a, really a, a reporter. So it mm-hmm. really enhanced the value of the report. But now once video came in, it became just a little bit of everything. Mm. So Peyton Manning, who ended up being uh, the number one. I, I, I I gotta get, I'd have to go through all of it, but I would say yeah. that, you know, I think all to right. me, you know, I was fortunate enough to, uh, you know, we were always looking for a guy and never really found it. You know, like in, you know, in Cleveland, we, we, uh, you know, we had Kozar was there before I got there. And then we signed Testaverde as a free agent. And then, you know, in, in Philly, we didn't really have one. We couldn't find one. I was only there for a year. And then at the Raiders, we signed Gannon. And then we kept looking to sign Kerry Collins. We kept looking for the guy. You know, Roethlisberger mm-hmm. was a guy that Angie Koya, the great scout who passed away, was begging out a draft and was begging. And we ended up taking the safe player in the draft gallery and ended up being not the safe player. These are all draft lessons that teams will be uh, going through as we head towards the draft yeah. coming up here in a couple of months in Kansas City. But let's take another break, Michael. Let's talk about some veteran players who might be on the move or at least the negotiations and the conversations will start this week in Indy here on the GM Shuffle. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, the second round of the playoffs have been absolutely phenomenal, and if you really like a team, you can bet on them for the futures market, maybe some conference finals MVPs as the conference finals approach, or how about NBA finals MVP? And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, before we get out of here, Michael, let's discuss, and also before we discuss some of these big name guys, I actually have a confession that I want to make to you because uh, I told you I was Uh-oh. in San Diego this past weekend. Uh, I was I was in San Diego, Southern California. Unfortunately, the weather was anything like it. So on the last day, because we weren't flying out until eight o'clock at night, 
I actually went to the movies Saturday afternoon and I saw uh-huh. 80 for Brady. I did not did. think I was going to see 80 for Brady, but I went to the movie theater. I watched 80 for Brady. Now I'm not going to give away any spoilers because the movie's still in theaters. I want to give our listeners a chance to go and check it out there if any of them are interested. But uh, 80 for Brady was it was interesting. It was all centered around the comeback against the Atlanta Falcons Super Bowl 51, I believe that was. But uh, yeah, make sure you check out 80 for Brady. And we can talk about it on the podcast and give a full uh, film review in in a, in a few uh, weeks. I, 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 I might do that. I think Millie's going to go see it today with with uh, there you go. With, uh, Anissa and Anissa's mom. So uh, I'll get the full yeah. report on that. Yeah, it's a fun little it. movie. Brady it's, was uh, in, you know, it's funny. Brady was in Vegas the other day, and he was at the oh, Raiders really? facility. And it, yeah, but I mean, he was there to visit the guys. That he, you know, he was there doing. <laughs> I think he was doing a speech. So he yeah. was just there to visit people and say hello, and I'm shocked it didn't get out that you know he's making a comeback because poor yeah. Tom, poor Tom, anywhere he goes, it's going to be oh he's making a comeback, you know. <laughs> yeah, he's got a quarantine. Otherwise, they're going to link him to the teams. Yeah, I remember poor, he went oh to- yeah, he's coming. He's coming back. He's going to he's going to play for the North Dakota's rat. You know, he's going to you know so he's in North Dakota. He's going to play for a team there. They're going to get an expansion team. Yeah. Hey, you know, it says a lot about him, though, because everybody wants to concede him, continue to play, being the greatest quarterback of all time. So, uh, yeah, that's that. that I'm surprised so that stayed under wrap there. Uh, but, yeah, 80 for Brady. Make sure to check it out, and we'll talk about it whenever you get a chance to see it there because uh, it has its moments. <laughs> um, but let's get back to the combine, though, because before the weekend, Friday afternoon, I believe it was, we saw the report that the L.A. Rams could be interested in in dealing all pro cornerback Jalen Ramsey. Now they made the trade for Ramsey. I believe it was back in 2019 when they acquired Jalen Ramsey. But uh, this is a, a top tier corner, a guy that we've had on the blue chip list last off season. Now he didn't play up to his typical standards this year. My guess is some frustrations just on how the season went for the defending champions. But Ramsey, what kind of market do you think is out there for him? He's 28 years old, so he's not really super old, but he's probably at the peak of his career here. What do you think the Rams could possibly get as they try to recoup some draft picks? Well, I mean, here's the problem, right? So player wants to get traded, put players out there, and he's got a couple years left. I think he's going to make $17 million, okay? Mm-hmm. So the, the bigger issue is if I trade for him, will he play on the existing contract? Or do I have mm. to redo the contract? Do I not only have to give up a free, a cheap player to then take the guy in, you know, do I, do, what do I have to do? And I think that's the question mark here is like, it's, it's, see, we, fans hear player, they hear the player name. They don't hear, they don't ever think of the, they don't ever think of the, you know, the money that it's going to take and the cap implications. Cause a lot of teams, friend, they don't have they don't have a lot of a lot of cap room. I mean, they don't have a lot of cap room. So, you know, for me, you know, what do you do? Do you take the guy, you know, I mean, he's a really good player. If you have the the 10th, 11th, 12th, he's better than that player you're going to pick there. There's no denying this, right? And he's probably better than the guy you would pick those two players you pick in round 1 in 2 years. He's better than those two players. I mean, when you basically boil it down. Now, he didn't play great last year. We know that. But, you know, he's still a young player. He's 28 years old. He doesn't turn 29 until October. So he still has a lot left in him. But how much more is it going to cost you to to sign him? How much more above the cap? You know, and how much are you willing to give away? I think that's the question mark. You know, 
the teams that are one player away, we're just one away. Can they fit him into the cap and will he play for him? I think that's the hard part. That's why the market, it's not that he's not a good player. I think that's why the market gets reduced because when you're looking at it, I mean, there's very there's not a lot of teams that have a ton of cap room. So it's got to fit to the cap, and then you've got to be able to say, okay, is he going to play or do I have to redo his contract? And if I have to redo his contract, what's that look like? Yeah, uh, the redoing of the contract, I think, is the biggest part there because that adds more to the pile of what the assets you have to give up to acquire Jalen Ramsey. Do you think it would require a first round pick or is he kind of at the point oh. of his career? And not that he's he's not he's not old, but he's 28. So he's probably at the prime as a corner, because once you get on the wrong side of 30, things start to kind of decline a little bit. But do you think this would require what multiple day twos? Is that what we're talking about here? I mean, look, I, I think a lot of it is 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 going to come down to the contract. I think a lot of that is how much do I have to pay for that? But, I, I mean, there's nobody you're going to pick in this draft that's as good as him at 14. And there's some corners in this draft. But the, mm. the question is, do I pick this corner at this number or do I trade a bunch of picks for Ramsey and pay this and then how much more? Like, I mean, he, how much does he tilt the field for me? You know, when Al Davis traded a one for Marcus for Mike Haynes to the New England Patriots, I mean, no big deal. You know, he got a really good player, but the cap wasn't effective then. It didn't really affect you. So you didn't have to worry about it. But now you got teams that are struggling to get to the cap. You know, there's a bunch of teams that don't have cap room, you know, that could use a corner. I mean, you know, they could use a corner. Could the Chargers use them? Hell yeah. They're struggling to get under the cap. Could the Vikings? Hell yeah. They're they're having, you know, could the Chiefs? Shit, yeah. I mean, they're, he's going to be better than any player picked at 32 for the Chiefs. He gives them a – I mean, for their defense, he would give them an elite corner and they could just keep doing it. But can they fit him in their cap? The reason they got rid of Tyree Kills is because they, they didn't want to put him on the cap. Uh, he's still a big-time player, in my opinion. I think someone's going to get a pretty good corner if the L.A. Rams indeed trade Jalen Ramsey because that's what it looks like it's going to happen at some point this offseason as those conversations start to continue in Indianapolis. Um, but is there any other big-name veteran player that you think could get dealt that's not a quarterback? Because we've talked a lot about the quarterbacks. Other kind of position players that you're hearing some things about? I think any guy that's, that, that a team wants to reduce his cap and can't afford, and, and the player doesn't want to do it, I think what you'll see this week is you'll see teams meet with their agents and they'll say, okay, you know, I can't really, we're not going to bring him back at $10 million a year. So why don't you tell me, you know, if you can find a trade partner for us, go ahead and make a deal. Yeah, go ahead. We'll do it. We'll ship him somewhere. Instead of releasing him, your teams. It's a little bit like what happened with Carr, right? Yeah. So Carr's out there. At, you know his contract's forty million. Nobody took the forty million. Basically, everybody said, "No, no, 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 we're not taking that deal." So Carr then said, "I need to be a free agent." So now I'm looking for thirty-five million a year. Right? He had a deal for forty over three. So what people don't realize is a lot of this is linked to the deal, is linked to the contract. So I think that's what you'll see. And so some of these teams that have to get rid of players, you know. Like it doesn't do the Cowboys any good to trade Zeke. They're rather they need to reduce Zeke, right? Mm -hmm. But if there's a player on your team that's making a lot of money, like say uh, Bud Dupree at uh, at uh, at the Tennessee Titans, you know, good player, yeah. been hurt. Okay, can't bring him back. Let me trade him. I'll post his trade at June one. I'll get rid of him, and somebody gets a pass rusher. Think shit like that can happen. I mean, that's the kind of the way it goes.
almost like the guys who are potential cap casualties. That's kind of the hint of where you might see who could get dealt. Um, for right, for if, the, there, if there's a if there's a team willing to take on that deal, yeah, right. If the team's willing to take on the deal, see, nobody was willing to take on the 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 car deal. The car deal. I mean, yeah. that nobody wrote that. Nobody wrote that in the story. But nobody wanted to take on the car. If somebody wanted to take the car deal on. They would have get, not that the Raiders were going to get a high pick for him. That was never the case. But they would have the car would have been able to say, okay, I got my 120 million for three. Now he's got to look shopping for a deal. Yeah. In a market uh, that's that that's not that's not really a lot of things. I think the other thing that's going to be interesting about the combine this week is is what's the buzz? And remember, Baltimore is one of the best PR teams in the league. What is the <laughs> buzz coming out of Baltimore with Lamar? Mm-hmm. Is is he going to be exclusive tag? Is it going to be the non-exclusive tag? I mean, that the deadline's March seventh, so I would imagine that they push it all the way to the deadline before they can uh, find. But some they're not sort of even. Nego- I mean, according to reports, they're not negotiating. I don't know if that's true or not. I'm just I'm just wow. listening to what people have told me. So, like the non-exclusive is really rich. I mean, if they go non-exclusive, they they have twenty four million of cap room. Technically, I don't know if they've done any deals lately, but you know that's a full that that cap number. There's no getting around it. So mm-hmm. not only do the Raven the Ravens then have to count, they got to count that whole number on there. If they go non-exclusive, it's thirty, but then teams could come in there and say, "Okay, we're going to sign them." They have the right to match. Uh, I I I don't understand this whole Lamar. I still contest that. The two sides are better off together. Like the Ravens are better off with Lamar. Lamar is better off with the Ravens. I, I don't understand why we're headed toward what feels like a divorce, but I guess they don't want to. They don't want to pay that that guaranteed contract. Which Mo- what, money? I get it, money. But, that's man. why money. But 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 I mean, but we said you can't overpay for great, and I think yeah. Lamar is great. I, I would put him in that class. I think there's he has moments of greatness. Maybe they know the injury more than we do. You know, there's probably how much longer can he play at this line? I think the guy has two more years of a contract. He can get this contract and another one, but can he stay healthy? He hasn't been able to stay healthy the last two seasons. Uh, we saw Tyler right. Huntley I mean, finishing I, that, up the year for the Ravens. I think that's Howie Roseman's dilemma with Jalen Hurts. Can he stay healthy if we – I mean, we have to run this offense with Jalen Hurts. This is what he does really well, and he's been really good doing this. Can he stay healthy in this? You know, can he stay healthy Mm -hmm. doing this? And then how do I pay a contract of him? You know, whereas Mahomes, you're not worried. You know, he could get hurt, but it isn't because he's going to be running with it. Yeah. In fairness to Lamar, I believe his injury was in the pocket too – um, so it wasn't like he was running all over the field or whatever. The injury this past right. season was in the pocket to the knee. Uh, same like with Mahomes there. That was an in-the-pocket injury as well. Uh, it's We'll see what happens with this Ravens thing, but I, I think that they should figure I it out. I think that's going to be an interesting – I think that Ravens yeah. conversation all week will be interesting. I mean, there's going to be a bunch of stuff coming out. There'll be much of oh, – yeah. we started this pod. There'll be a bunch of misinformation. The campaign's already begun, man. <laughs> it's, it's election season no for the NFL with the Combine being in Indy. And here's what you guys can look forward to later on this week for the Combine. Thursday will be the defensive line and linebacker workouts. Friday, the defensive backs, place kickers, and special, team, uh, special teams kind of guys. 
Saturday, QBs, wide receivers, tight ends. That'll be the big day for CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis. They'll throw on Saturday. And then Sunday, they finish up with the running backs and the offensive line. So it'll be over on Sunday for the workouts. I believe the bench press and all that stuff will be the day after they work out. So they don't want guys opting out of the workouts like we saw last year. But a lot of interesting stuff I'm sure will come from the scouting combine down in Indy. And we'll talk about it on Thursday, Michael, as we wrap up this podcast. Thank you to DraftKings. Thank you. And Beast, thank you, our producer yeah, thank you. I want to. I want to. I mean, the GM. Sh- uh, thank you for the GM shuffle, Femi. I know you're going to be on the Lombardi line on on uh, yes, weekends sir. with me. I mean, Patrick is moving to a different show. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. five great. Uh, I think we had three great years with Patrick. Love Patrick. He's now has uh, a show with Amal Shaw and then the great Stormy and you and I will be doing the Lombardi line. So I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. I'm sure you're, you're diving into the college hoops, Michael. Get ready for the madness, buddy. Well, I'm going on vacation starting tomorrow, so you won't see me probably for a couple weeks, but other than that, I'll be diving. (laughs) He'll be back, but just because you're going on vacation doesn't mean we'll stop shuffling. Elliot does not give you a day off on the GM shuffle, and there's no chance. No. The ones and twos are always alive on the shuffle. (laughs) Couldn't have said it any better. Thank you, Michael. I'll talk to you on Thursday. We'll see you guys then.